This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 14th of October 2021. And of course, when we're talking about an infectious disease, Norman, it's very straightforward to talk about the physical symptoms of it, the sort of uh, destruction that that disease can do to your body. But we're also living in a pandemic that has affected our mental health. And there's some new research that really has tried to quantify just how big that mental health burden has been. Yes, a group of uh, global researchers into mental health has actually done a review of the evidence on the mental health impact of the pandemic so far, included some Australian researchers. So what they did was they uh, looked at all the data that's been that was available between January 2020 and uh, February 2021 that was published, and they were looking particularly at major depression and anxiety disorders. And what they found was that if you actually looked at two indicators of COVID-19, so daily SARS-CoV-2 infection rates, so in other words, the, the pandemic itself and how fast it was growing in the, in the community, and reductions in human mobility, so in other words, lockdown. And those two things were what was significantly associated with an increased prevalence of depression and really quite significant depression and anxiety disorders in relation to those variables, reduction in mobility and the growth of the pandemic. Women were affected more than men. Uh, younger people were more affected than older age groups for both depression and anxiety. And that when you've got the double whammy of lockdowns and really big increased infection rates, then that's where you really were hit hard. That's Those are the places that were really hit hard with major depression and anxiety. And in terms of gross numbers, they reckoned that there, was, there were an additional 53 million people suffering from major depression globally, and that was about a 27% increase due to the pandemic, an additional 76 million people suffering from anxiety disorders, again, about a 25% increase of people with anxiety disorders over background because of the pandemic. So in Australia, we've definitely had a lot of lockdowns, but we haven't really had the high case numbers that a lot of other countries have seen. Did this research break down how Australia compared to the rest of the world in terms of additional depression and anxiety? Well, we already know, you know, so some predictions about suicide have not come about. It's been better than was feared. Yeah, we haven't had the increases and that's at least that was last year for this kind this time period last year and that's because and it was predicted by the modeling that if you instituted financial support such as job seeker and job keeper those almost certainly those programs saved lives and prevented people going on to getting suicide but this year the reports particularly from the reports around the country including states that haven't had uh, much in the way of lockdowns is of major stress on their mental health care systems, particularly young people coming forward, presenting to emergency departments with distress. And by psychological distress, I do mean depression and anxiety. So in terms of Australia, in this paper, they really didn't break it down to that sort of detail, but they did cover Oceania which would and Southeast Asia. So this would, be, um, this would include Australia and New Zealand. And it showed a smaller increase in these disorders than other 
places, for example, South Asia, India was 36%, North Africa, Middle East, 37% increase. You know, high-income countries tend to suffer from this less than low-income countries. Is that because they have the resources to do things like the financial support that you mentioned? Possibly. Uh, they didn't go into that uh, terribly much. They didn't, they didn't go into that. But the predictions in Australia were for an increased rate of suicide. But the modelling, particularly from Sydney universities, showed also that if you instituted income support, um, a job support like job seeker and job keeper, you would actually reduce the risk of suicide. And that's borne out. But what you've seen in most jurisdictions in Australia is a lot of stress this year on the mental health care system with young people coming forward in psychological distress. It's been almost certainly worse in New South Wales and Victoria. And it is a, sh- a sign of distress on this, uh, of stress on the system. And we should say, if this conversation's brought up anything for you, you need help, you can call Lifeline anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 131114. And Norman, as always, we've got questions coming through for us. One of them is from Kate, who's asking why some people get COVID more seriously than others. She has a friend in New York, lives in a shoebox apartment with his girlfriend. He got hospitalised. She had no symptoms at all. There are a lot of variables here in something like this, and it's hard to say. There are individual variations in people's immune systems. Some people have better surface immunity. Uh, some people might not, and she might not have got a very big dose of the virus. So there's all sorts of things going on there that are very hard to disentangle. And a question from Jackie saying, Norman, you seem confident that we're going to get booster shots, but Jackie heard Dr. Paul Kelly say last week that there's evidence to suggest not that the vaccine might even last a lifetime. Did Jackie hear incorrectly or what? Yeah, well, what I heard Paul Kelly saying was that we were going to get boosters um, initially um, for people who are immune compromised, which I think started this week, uh, which is very welcome. And again, on Coronacast, we're starting to talk about these as third doses because it's likely these vaccines are three-dose vaccines. And what you're getting is the third dose, that if they'd had a lot of time in a non-pandemic situation to work out what the right dosage regime was for these vaccines, it's almost certainly going to be a three-dose vaccine, at least for Pfizer, maybe for Astra. Not so sure about Moderna, by the way. Moderna might might be okay on two, but they don't know that yet. So it's a third dose. And what he was talking about was a third dose. And he was saying that when you get a third dose, what his hope is that that would be for life. And what he's relying on there is that when you've got with other three-dose vaccines like hepatitis B, and when they were doing three-dose regimes for human papillomavirus, that they did seem to be very long-lasting immunizations. Coronavirus is a different virus and you've got variants coming out. So the question is whether a three-dose regime will cover you for new variants in the future. That's even if the immunity to the original vaccine sustains itself, will it cover you against variants? So that's what he was talking about. And I think that really what he was implying is that eventually everybody will get a booster. It will go down in ages, but it will start off in older age groups and move down. And as we said before in Coronacast, if you're younger and you've had your Pfizer dose, you've got a very good level of immunity and that will probably sustain you for longer than somebody who was older and got a lower level of immunity from the vaccine. And one more question, Norman, from well, from someone who's asking about your very, very favourite subject, who Bruce lives in a rural community, regularly drives past the sewerage works, and the smell is often very noticeable. Bruce is asking, is there any risk of virus carrying aerosol droplets leading to catching COVID? I think he's wondering if he can catch COVID from the smell of poo. poo. Hmm. Um, I would have thought, That's uh, a long shot, so to speak. 
Um, I think that's unlikely. You know, it's in the it's in the open air. It's true that if you're smelling stuff, you're getting particles from the sewage works in your nose. Just so that's absolutely disgusting idea, but that's actually what happens when you smell stuff. So it's possible that viruses could be there, but the evidence does not bear out that you um, get infected very much outside. You know who we could ask this question of, Norman, one of one of Australia's leading experts on viruses and the coronavirus in particular, Professor Eddie Holmes from the University of Sydney. Yeah, I'm sure that he's an expert in bottom masking and sewage not. So if you've got questions for Eddie, especially on viral evolution and where the coronavirus might go to from here, go to abc.net.au slash coronacast and we'll put them to him tomorrow. Just when you thought it was safe to go out, we get Eddie Holmes in. See you then. (laughs) See you then.